Hey guys, welcome to the Tech People Podcast. My name is Ken Coyne. I'm your host and founder, as well as head of technology at Office Talent. I believe at the heart of any success story are the people who made it happen. Diversity, creativity, and innovation, when nurtured in people, can lead to an unbeatable formula. I created this podcast to share the experiences of some truly inspirational leaders on their journey to success. Enjoy the show. Hi guys, welcome back to Tech People. I'm your host, Ken Corn. Firstly, a very happy new year. I hope you all enjoyed the holiday season. We have a great podcast lineup today in relation to seeking investment for your business. So if you are looking for a funding round for your startup, then you definitely need to check this one out. I'm delighted to be joined by Sam Kishner, who is an expert in venture capital and private equity and founding partner of Go10x Ventures. Welcome to the show, Sam. Yeah, thanks so much, Ken. It's great to be here. Well, thank you. Listen, I'll start. Uh, maybe you could just tell us a bit about yourself and your background. Yeah, yeah, gladly. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on the podcast. And just, yeah, just to give a brief introduction to myself. So I'm the founding partner of Go10x Ventures. And what we do at Go10x Ventures is we write pre-seed checks into early stage tech startups, predominantly in the UK, but we also do look to, to invest outside the UK. And um, yeah, we, we look to either be like the first or second investor in a tech startup. So we get involved very early and we love working with early stage businesses. And we also then post investment, we help those founders through the early stages of growth through our venture builder model, which is where we give those founders hands on operational team to help them get to the necessary milestones to then be successful in their next round. And we do all of this with the help of our angel syndicate. So we have a group of investors that sit in our syndicate and support the investment decisions that we make. And in this way, you know, we, we work a bit less like a fund and a bit more like a syndicate. So we have this group of investors that invest with us and, you know, that group is, is growing too. And we started doing this fairly recently so you know in that in that way we're, we're kind of like a startup ourselves, actually and we've been running now for about a year and a half we've built our portfolio up to seven companies seven great companies that we're really excited about and the success of those early investments is definitely motivating us to continue to grow that portfolio and we're targeting to double the size of that portfolio this year so really excited for what is to come in 2022 for us as well. Fantastic, Sam. Very cool. So listen, the, the real benefit of this podcast is for founders to, who are at the pre-seed stage or are looking at preparing a funding round, and I'm hoping that you can share all your expertise with us. But maybe I might go back to some basics. I mean, when you say pre-seed, what is that exactly? Yeah, no, good question. So yeah, I'd say pre-seed is probably going to be the first institutional round for a lot of founders you know maybe that founder might have done a small fundraising round with like friends family and fools let's call it the triple f round but maybe pre-seed might be the first larger check that a founder may have received and you know what we see in the pre-seed landscape at the moment is that that pre-seed round might look 
you know, might be anywhere from like a 100K to a 500K fundraising round at valuations of maybe one to three million. And of course, those kind of benchmarks are going to be different in different markets and for different investors. But that's what we're seeing anyway at Go10x. How do you determine that valuation? I mean, how does it, does it depend on functionality, the technology, the service? Yeah, so we look at like quite a few different factors when we are deciding valuation. The most important thing for us, and you'll hear this from a lot of investors, but it's really true, is the team. So we want to know that we're going to be working with a really great team, a group of a founder or group of founders that we really believe in, that we can see have conviction and that we would feel like we're going to build a good working relationship with and that they are going to like do the work, you know? Other things that founders, you know, might be a strong attribute of a founder might be that we can see that they might have an, an actual competitive advantage in growing the specific business that they're pitching for. So they might have specific experience in that domain. They might have a network which puts them ahead of, of another founder that might want to grow a similar business. So if you can display that you've got some kind of competitive advantage, that's definitely going to be attractive. And then the other kinds of things we'd look at when deciding valuation would be product. So if you've really got some, you know, really great product behind you and some defensible IP, then that's definitely attractive. And, you know, there's certainly other aspects that we look for. And in terms of like valuation methodology, it's quite difficult at early stage, you know, when you get to later stage rounds, you know, and, and my background is definitely in later stage. I, I work, my previous career was working for a private equity firm and they'd shudder at the kind of valuation methodologies we use in early stage, early stage VC. But a lot of it really is on like comparables. So what do we see other companies in the market raising at and how does the company in question compare? When you get to later stage, you can use, you know, more scientific approaches like EBITDA multiples and such. But yeah, early stage, you know, we just want, we need to make sure that we really understand the market so that we give founders and us as an investor a fair price and understand what that fair price is. Yeah, I'm just thinking of Dragon's Den and, you know, and to get these guys to come in and they give evaluation. So what were you thinking about that valuation? <laughs> yeah. And Dragon's Den is interesting because, you know, the valuations that companies will, would receive on Dragon's Den would probably be quite different to the valuations that you see tech, even precede tech startups raising at in the market now. But I think what's important to understand is like the tech startups probably do have quite high valuations because they are, you know, now more than ever, they're just very scalable businesses. They are, you know, if you find a, a good product market fit, the tech companies, when they work, they're very scalable and they can achieve like good success in a rapid way. Also, I think that in a company, in a, in a program like Dragon's Den, maybe the valuation is, you know, they decide valuation because those dragons, they really add value as an investor. And that's definitely what we would try to do as well. Every investor would have like their own value. And I think it's really good that there's now much more competition amongst investors. So they need to go beyond just providing capital. 
And that's a trend that I really want to see carry on. Okay, interesting. I'm going to come back to that point, actually, about the different investors in a moment. But first of all, for the benefit of founders, I mean, how do you best prepare for a funding round? Yeah, so what I would say, I can talk on behalf of the pre-seed round. Okay. And what I would say about preparing for a pre-seed round, two concepts that I, that I want to share. One is the concept of always raising. And the other is a concept which we call do the work. And always raising is the idea that as a founder and as the CEO of your company, you need to always be mindful that a fundraising round is going to be on the horizon. You know, typically for tech startups, you know, especially at early stage, you're going to have to go through a fundraising journey maybe once every, you know, 18 to 24 months. Okay. And, you know, now more so than ever, I think if you want a smart investor to back you, you need to appreciate that they're smart (laughs) and therefore you need to give them the time to build a relationship with you, to understand how you operate as a founder and give them the time and opportunity to do the necessary due diligence so that they can make a good investment decision. And I think if a founder encounters an investor that isn't prepared to do that due diligence, they could raise their own concerns you know we've, we've seen like theranos in the news last week and that just highlights what could happen when investors don't do proper due diligence so i definitely encourage you know more of that and what i mean by always raising is like even you know six to twelve months before a founder wants to close their fundraising round they should start building relationships with investors I kind of split the fundraising process into two parts, an active fundraising part and a passive fundraising part. And that passive fundraising journey should start like 12 months before you actually want to close the round. Just reach out to investors, try to get introductions to investors that you think would be a good fit for your company and start to build a relationship invest that you think could back you in 12 months time and keep in touch with them send them monthly updates on your progress because you know investors they want to hear about your progress and they want to be able to build a relationship with you and then by the time you want to kickstart the active fundraising part of your fundraising round which you might want to kickstart like three to six months before you actually want to close the round you'll have a number of investors that you already have a relationship with and all you're doing there is like you're trying to make that investment decision as easy as possible for the investor. Okay. You know, if the investor, if you send a cold email out to an investor and say my round is closing in Trump's time, it's going to be difficult to make for them to make such a quick decision. If you've already had a relationship with that investor over the previous nine months and they've seen nine months of your company growing and seen you at work as a founder, they're going to be confident in you as a founder and they're going to be excited about participating in that round yeah very interesting it makes a lot of sense um, yeah but is there that you mentioned actually about the timeline there three months is there like an average timeline you can be you know realistic timelines for seeking investment yeah so i think a good rule of thumb is like is six months you know okay. and and definitely you know i've seen fundraising rounds longer and shorter but I think a good target for founders is to really start thinking about your fundraising around six months to 
closing or when you would like it to close. Of course, bear in mind like how much runway you have left in the business to facilitate that decision on when you should start that six-month process. And that might be three months of building in relationships with investors and sending out investor updates to that group and you know, so that you can build that trust with them. And then maybe three months prior to that, you know, target fund close of the fundraising round, you probably want to get your first term sheet written up and try to set a deadline for that group of investors that you built a relationship with to make a decision. And I think if founders, you know, prepare early in that way, then they'll be more successful and and you know, less stressed. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's a difficult time. I know it's for me. Yeah. I've dealt with many founders. Uh, yeah. And the other concept that I wanted to just quickly talk about on preparing for a fundraising round is do the work. So what that means is, you know, raising your first fundraising round is not the first step. You need what a founder should try to do as much as possible is to try to make that investment decision like a no-brainer for an investor. You know, of course, there's nuance there because maybe as a company, like every investor has their own criteria and their own mandate. So typically an investor is going to be investing in certain sectors at a certain stage and only be able to write a a certain amount of checks a year. So, you know, we're bearing that kind of mandate and criteria in mind. Still, you should be doing everything you can as a founder to make that investment decision as easy as possible for the investor. and now more than ever, and you'd know this, Ken, founders can, you know, they can do the tech environment as such that founders can roll, but even before fundraising round, founders can roll up their sleeves and, you know, try to build some traction and get somewhere towards at least proving what they're doing before approaching an investor. So what I mean by that is like, and we really encourage founders to do this before we invest is, you know, try to build some interest with your target customers. And, you know, even if you don't have the capital yet to like build a product, right. you can definitely at least build a wait list, you know, try to identify who your target customers are, as in like which profile of customer is going to resonate with what you're building and the problem you're solving. and get in front of those customers and even if you don't have a product yet try to get them to sign up to a waitlist and you can do that just by building a landing page anyone non-technical can build a landing page these days it's so easy and build up a decent sized waitlist that you can show an investor and what that does is it really proves to an investor that you have identified your value proposition And that value proposition is really resonating with the specific customer profiles that you're getting in touch with. And therefore, you've been able to build a waitlist of customers before you even built a product. And, you know, you get a few hundred, a few thousand potential customers on that waitlist. And, you know, that target is different for different types of businesses. But if you put that in front of an investor, then that's going to make that investment decision easier for an investor. So... Fundraising is not the first step. You, as a founder, rolling up your sleeves and doing the work is the first step. Yeah, fantastic. I love it. And you, you mentioned, you know, about the, the size of the round. You mentioned like 100K to 500K. Have you any pointers for founders 
as in what investors are looking for in terms of that budget, how they're going to spend that budget. Is there things that people often miss or things that people should ensure they they break it down clearly in that budget? Yeah, so, you know, I can't speak on behalf of other investors, but certainly we really like to see founders build financial projections that really break down what the use of funds are and the impact that that's going to have on the growth of the business. You know, typically, the founder is going to want to spend that pre-seed money on like building a product if they haven't built one already or iterating on that on a product that they've already built based on like tangible customer feedback that they've got of course rather than like assuming what the customer is going to want always ask them and find out and um, use that feedback to inform any product decision you're making but yeah i suppose like you know product team although you know the way that we work is you know we operate like a venture builder so we're more than happy for founders to keep their team super lean and work with our team and you know marketing like if you're going to be successful in your subsequent rounds which is probably going to be seed um they're going to be some serious user and revenue targets that you're going to need to hit so and you're going to need marketing capital to drive that you mentioned a seed so can you just briefly describe the different seed rounds yeah sure yeah so i guess the typical fundraising journey might be that a founder does their like friends and family rounds, which to be honest, I'm wanting to see less of. I think the fact that, you know, founders shouldn't feel that they need to raise their friends and family rounds. They should be able to do the work using tools that they can find online, like no code, low code products, so that they can get to pre-seed without having to do a friends and family round, because that's only going to, you know, make the like the opportunity for founders unequal. You know, any founder should be able to get to pre-seed. And then, you know, you get to pre-seed and you probably spend 12 to 18 months after you raise pre-seed to like build a product, reach some decent usership and revenue targets. And then seed rounds might be like, you know, one to three million pound fundraising round. And at that point, you know, you might start to engage with more institutional investors because they're going to be more present at later rounds, which, you know, and they can definitely help too. Okay, very cool. Talk to, you know, you mentioned there a couple of times about the different types of investors. You know, you mentioned about some investors uh, have different valuations. Some investors have different requirements. Could you maybe just talk a bit briefly about the different types of investors? Yeah, sure. So at each round, you'll founders will see a different you know landscape of investors and you know this is always changing and you know it's a very fluid thing which is why the venture space is quite exciting but i'd say i can speak more but on behalf of like a pre-seed round because that's where we're really present but you know pre-seed particularly is like a minefield for founders it's quite difficult for founders to really understand how to navigate this pre-seed environment and that's because there aren't many like institutional investors or leaders that are providing much structural guidance to pre-seed as i mentioned earlier a lot of it is like friends and family or angel investors that are really difficult to discover and difficult to get in front of and you know as i said earlier all that does is it creates quite an unequal distribution of opportunity for founders 
which is not great. You know, it seems like if a founder doesn't have a network of angel investors or connections that will be able to invest in them, they're not going to be able to get off the ground. And, you know, that's really not a good thing. Thankfully, more and more players are coming, are getting involved in this pre-seed space, like what we're doing at GoTenX Ventures, and more institutions that are, you know, coming to the forefront of and getting in front of founders and showing them that there are more fundraising options at pre-seed. And I guess what that really looks like is like, you know, angel syndicates, accelerators, early stage VC funds, and SEIS funds. And, you know, SEIS is a good point, a good thing to highlight because the introduction of SEIS in the UK has, you know, created like a more progressive pre-seed landscape in the UK. It's meant that more investors are wanting wanting to get involved at pre-seed, which is great. Just for the benefit of the audience, could you just briefly describe what is that? The SEIS? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, sure. So SEIS is a... It's a scheme that the government has introduced to basically encourage investors to invest in early stage companies. And it gives tax incentives for investors that invest in young companies. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I want to ask you as well about is um, the pitch. Is there any pointers you can give to founders when they go to pitch in front of investors? Key things maybe they should be doing or what they should be going into quickly or getting their yeah. point. Yeah, so definitely prepare <laughs> and, you know, prepare, you know, pitch in front of your family and friends, pitch in front of strangers, pitch in front of potential customers and really understand the problem that you're trying to solve. And, you know, practice makes perfect with this thing. Like the more that you talk about a topic, the better you become at talking about that topic, if that makes sense. <laughs> Just because you know, they're through practicing, you just get good at, 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 at explaining things. So yeah, one I'd say is practice. The next point I'd say is like, make sure that your pitch is well-rounded. And there are many, many resources online that you could just find through Googling on what to include in a pitch. And, you know, a standard pitch is going to be like, you know, 15 or so slides. And each slide will cover a different aspect of the business. You know, that might be like problem, solution, market, competitors, etc. But yeah, I'd, I'd encourage founders to like go online and, you know, find out what should be in those 15 or so slides and make sure that you cover everything because you don't want to miss things out in your pitch and you want to provide like a full picture of where you're at and make it so the pitch deck can be a document that the investor can take away with them and you know come back to whenever they are thinking about your company um, and be able to answer some key questions that they might have and you know the other point is like do the research there's a lot of facts and figures and stats that you're going to want to include in your pitch and make sure that they give a fair representation of yourself and the business and the market because the investors are going to do their own research as well and yeah, a lot of it is like a sales process, right? So make sure that you've got a bit of a sales hat on and like sell the dream. Like if you can't, if, you know, and it makes it difficult, but that's a lot of, of what you look for in a CEO in that respect is like, they need to be able to sell the vision. And that's a key attribute of a CEO, really. 
So yeah, make cool. sure that that comes across in how you pitch as well. Fantastic. So and just I finally just wanted to ask, I mean, and your thoughts on how you see the whole investment funding evolving for the future. Yeah, so I think what I really am seeing and what I'm really excited about is, you know, the barriers to entry for founders are getting lower and lower. It's now easier more than ever for founders to, you know, put some time to the put some time aside and like build you know it's now easy more than ever it's like with cloud servers and all these like no code and low code products and you know playbooks and methodologies that are so well understood now that founders can like do the necessary research and find out how to like get a concept off the ground for not much money at all so i'd encourage founders to like you know start making start doing the work start making those bets in business ideas that you have and see if they, if they take off and take the risk fantastic Sam. fantastic listen thank you so much for your time today and your your tips been really helpful yeah um, listen if i just finally ask for the benefit of the founders um if they want to contact you um, or even what are the types of founders you're looking to speak to uh, could you share some information with us yeah so feel free to check me out on linkedin send me a connection request and and more than happy to connect on there. And on Twitter, I'm at Sam Kiesner. So feel free to follow me up on Twitter and, and feel free to send me a message there if you'd like to. Awesome. Fantastic, Sam. Listen, thank you so much for your time today. No, uh, thanks so much for inviting me onto the podcast. Yeah, I really enjoyed speaking to you today. So yeah, thanks a lot. My pleasure.